0: You're listening to the Rockford Symphony Orchestra Podcast, where we look to inform about our upcoming events and give insight to behind-the-scenes happenings at the RSO. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Maestro Yanivatar as he dives into his goals for the RSO, hear about how he chooses his programming and his aspirations for outreach. Let's get
1: started! What you probably haven't had time to think too much about this, but I just initial thoughts on the vision for the symphony or for the RSO, and I know you'll spend a lot of time getting to know the community. But do you have any initial dreams that might be on the horizon?
0: You know, it's I, we haven't even started planning what's coming uh, in next season, and I think what the great thing about having a music director search is. You know, you've had you've had a conductor who you know did an amazing job for uh, thirty years, mm-hmm. uh, and all of a sudden you get nine conductors uh, in in one year. Uh, it's like it's like having speed dating in slow motion. So you have so many different ideas. I mean, you see what work, what doesn't work, uh, uh, what got the community excited, what uh, we heard know, from
1: the patrons. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure you yeah. did.
0: <laughs> but you know, so many different approaches. So it's almost like, now what? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I mean, my goal is to work with the newly formed artistic advisory committee um, that we're going to have and, you know, build really exciting programs that I think for me, the most important thing would be to balance um, a healthy kind of balance between some of the core repertoire that we all mm-hmm. love and come to the symphony for, uh, for uh, combine with things that I think will be really interesting for people to discover. Mm-hmm. Um, something that will create new excitement, new challenges uh, um, it, it, for both the orchestra as players, but also for the community. Um, you know, I, I, I think sometimes orchestras tend to... Not give so true, and I think a lot of it comes with okay, well, of course, with what you pick uh, when you create a program, but also is how you present it.
1: That's exactly what was going to be my next question. When you have new things, what do you see? How? Do, what does that process look like? Introducing the community to something new and different.
0: I I really enjoy talking from the stage to prepare people for what they're about to hear especially if i know that this is probably probably something that they haven't heard before and i think it's great to give everybody some kind of guidance Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. something they could grab on or the background story behind why what they're about to hear and when you do that it makes the listening experience so different
1: well i am the person you'll always hear from me if i don't like something, I would do that to Steve. He would send in the programming and I'd call him and say, okay, listen, I don't like this piece. Yes. I, need- I need you to tell me why I should like it because if I'm supposed to be excited about it as the education director right. and educate people and talk about it, I need to know what's exciting. And he would. He'd say, well, this and this, you know, he'd give me – and I'm like, all right, so. That makes
0: sense. Exactly. There, there has to be a reason why it fits this program. There has right. to be a reason why I – you know why we decide to pair it with this piece mm-hmm. uh, or why we decide to program this particular piece at this time of the year um, mm-hmm. if it's an anniversary of something if it's if it's and in a lot a lot of the music that I think that people will discover um you know sometimes with, with the musicians, um there is a lot of relevance to either today's, what's yeah, going on yeah. in the world today.
1: And hearing that from you makes all the right. difference. It always, it always has for me, hearing, you know, in the past from Steve. And so hearing from you and saying, this is why it's beautiful. This is why it's important.
0: And, you know, it, it took me a while to understand how important that kind of presentation is. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. what I take for granted, sure. um, it's not necessarily the same of somebody who's coming with with you know totally fresh ears and sometimes i'm jealous of people who are coming and experiencing for the first time in their lives because you know it's it's really new to them and then i give them this introduction uh and sometimes i even make the orchestra make i ask them to um (laughs) play some examples from this part of the piece or this part of the piece and then and then Say, say what this is about right. and then right. when when the performance happens people are like oh yeah that's what that's the part he was talking about that's that's mm-hmm. what this mm-hmm. is this is what this means and mm-hmm. it makes the experience um it, it, it's amazing how it's, it's almost like 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 they've known the piece all their life and they're just hearing hearing it again so presentation is everything
1: absolutely the level of enjoyment is so much deeper This is going a slightly different direction, but I feel like we have to... (laughs) One interesting thing that's happening in education right now are guitar classes. I hear about it in the area from high school, secondary, middle school and high school in particular, that these guitar classes are just exploding and kids are registering and registering and they don't have... They take one year of guitar and that's it. And then there's no bridge for them to go into any other musical class or to learn more. There's no place for them to go. And so I, as the education director, have thought, how, do, how does the symphony, and I mean, not that you can have an answer right now, and, but how does the symphony create that bridge for them? What's our role in getting these kids sucked in? I don't know. There's so much potential right now.
0: I mean, first of all, it's it's exciting that it's happening. Yeah, Uh, um, that's that's really important. I think the the hardest thing is after you capture them with this excitement is to actually keep nurturing it. Yeah, that that, you know, like exactly like you say. Um, I don't know that I have a good answer for this now because you know I'm. I feel like I don't know this part at all. Especially you know when I came to audition as well. it was in a really bad time of COVID. Oh, it was. So I didn't even go to the schools, right? Uh, because they probably didn't allow right. anybody to come. Uh, and I don't remember if our guest. We artist, went out Daniel, with Daniel. Yeah, okay. to
1: one guitar class. Okay, so but that must small. have been exciting. It was like twenty kids. I right. Mean, it was not. Yeah.
0: But uh, I guess I'll have to bring more guitarists, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's starting in elementary, and I think it's such an interesting phenomenon that right. this is the a direction in the area. Well let's keep talking about education. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> While we're on it, what do you what do you like to do educationally? Is there something that gets you excited, or that you find it easy to focus on? What's your passion when it comes to that?
0: You know, when I was when I was um, assistant in Alabama, I was with the Alabama Symphony. Um, we had a really strange way. In a good way of doing our education concerts, we actually never did the education concert in our big hall and brought kids. We actually went to the schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they had they had the money, they had the grants to do that. Yeah. Um, so I know it's not practical to <laughs> <Do you>, like <laughs> get the whole orchestra for school. But what was so exciting was that we you know we played at a gym. You know, mostly it was usually the gyms, yeah. um, uh, or the lunchroom or whatever. You, whatever. Of course. And the orchestra was in the middle. And the kids were all surrounding the oh, orchestra, wow. and were you know no more than five, ten feet away from us. Amazing! And as as much as I hated the acoustics in in those, <laughs> sure. um, as you can only imagine, but I think the experience mm-hmm. um, was just unbelievable to experience live music. That close i again, I don't know that I have the right answer for it, but i I do want to find some kind of way to engage young people in music being a lot closer to the mm-hmm. orchestra that like they feel that they're part of it that they can like live and breathe the music, whether you know whether you like i don't know rotate classes around the mm-hmm. stage, uh, I know there's a concert series. In New York, it's called Inside Out, I think, oh, okay. um, where basically the audience is all around the orchestra. Oh, and, wow. and this is not children. We're yeah. talking about adults. Oh, that's And
1: cool. they're basically
0: spread around the orchestra and experience the music, like sometimes even in between instruments. Um, so they're totally spread out. And people, like, uh, perception of, of hearing music that way is totally different yeah. than, you know, sitting in a hall being... You know, mm-hmm. fifty feet apart. Um, so I, I want f- I want to find ways to you know people to experience that kind of of closeness mm-hmm. uh, um, to the music because mm-hmm. you know when you when you're around the orchestra and you you f- hear people breathe and and right. uh, and listen and you can hear people listen. It's yeah. it's there's this sound to that. Um, I think it's totally different.
1: Well. I think one thing um, related to that is having recorded all of the concerts over the past year, we see the audience, if you watch the videos, you see a different perspective because you don't always get to see the conductor. Well, you don't ever get to see the conductor when you're in the audience. But when you rewatch the concerts digitally, there was a camera on the conductor each time. And so the perspective of the communication between the conductor and the musicians and the way that the team at Future Memory Media edited it together sometimes, it was because there were multiple cameras on stage. Well,
0: you know, some orchestras post-COVID, because a lot of their concerts were uh, videoed, what they started doing with some orchestras is have a camera on the conductor. Yeah, And they actually show it on on screens that that are brought so the audience can see that. And the reason is, I mean, you know, aside from what we do on stage, we as conductors sometimes we we are the storytellers right for the audience too um yeah. and and you know for for the audience to be able to experience the facial expressions of the conductor uh, or the gesture that they're basically preparing everything that's about to come uh, all of a sudden they're like oh yeah you know they they, they see what happens when i go to concerts in different halls, if there's a place at the choir, of course, um, behind the orchestra, that's the first place I go to because I want to be, I want to see the conductor, and I want to. I feel like I'm part of the action.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is
0: so much fun. Yeah. Uh, even even if acoustically it's not you know it's not the best place to sit. No, but it, you, you feel, hear all the horns and the brass, and
1: but you're more engaged, right? In what's going on because uh, you exactly. see it, exactly. yeah. I think that's been a really cool part of this whole process is having those recordings and seeing that communication.
0: You know, th- I think that's that's the biggest I would characterize it that way misfortunes mm. of modern life because you know when you experience music, you know, in the sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth century, and concerts were in a you know all these like rooms in palaces and not in concert hall, and you were basically you felt like you were having a private concert just for you, and all of a sudden you're in a Two thousand seat hall, and everything is far away, and it's there is there is some kind of distance that. uh, Yeah, this is why I think talking to the audience and explaining things is so important today, because you break this barrier between audience being so far away and us performing being on stage, Um, and that's something that you know you want to try to avoid.
1: Well, I think not just breaking the barrier, but to me, and I've seen it happen, is that it it creates a sense of community that everyone's experiencing the same thing in the same moment in time and, and not just the audience, but now it's the musicians and the conductor and the audience are all sharing this. And that's the power of music really. And we saw that with our um, Nutcracker student matinee in December, Uh Lucas, the choreographer told them that they could, they couldn't talk They could clap whenever they wanted. And if they really liked it, they could yell bravo. And so you're in this room of 2,000 kids just clapping and yelling bravo, 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 but then shushing each other too, because they didn't want to miss the next moment. Right. In this sense that it's all ages, all different backgrounds, and they're all experiencing this thing together, you know, ballet with live orchestra, which is not always something middle school and high school kids are right really excited or boys you know are into and so this this idea that we can create these moments of ultimate community
0: right and i think that these kind of moments will make people feel always comfortable and welcome in the concert hall yes um so you know i hate when when you know somebody claps at the end of a movement and people like shh you're not supposed to clap of course you are. If you liked it, clap. Yeah, <laughs> I encourage it. Yeah, um, it's so funny because you know when you think of in Mozart's time, when you finished a movement, if if the audience did not clap, the composer would be offended. Right. Um, and here we are with all our you know or
1: repeating movements because people right. liked it so much. Right.
0: Right. It's it was just so different, and I think we I think the world of classical music in general has a lot to learn from like the jazz world mm. uh, in mm-hmm. that sense.
1: Sure, when people um, solo in jazz, you yeah, clap.
0: you clap because it's awesome.
1: <laughs> right. It's impressive. Right.
0: And, and you enjoyed it. it it's it's As a performer, I think it feels really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the energy between the audience and the performer giving exactly. and taking. And-, and,
0: you know, this is something I remember really well from uh, my concert here in, in last January, is that you felt an incredibly warm energy from the audience. Mm-hmm. And... That, that that felt great.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I remember that, and you know, as us as performers, not just me, the orchestra, we feel that.
1: Yes, um, yes. So I think we all felt that. in Yeah, the room. It, this so, uh, this is special. I mean, yeah. it felt it felt special in right. the moment, which is exciting. So an interesting thing, I think, there's a core group of people that that we have that enjoy those extra experiences, but I I mean, and if either of us had the answer we would be who knows not doing this probably consulting (laughs) and on tv but how do we get more people i think is the constant question to come enjoy those moments and experiences with us before a concert
0: uh i mean you know it's all about how you market those things Mm uh um you know so many times we, you know, at the beginning when we started doing it, and people are like, "Oh, I didn't know. Oh, I had no idea right. that." And no, no matter how many times you would put this in a in an email blast or whatever, social I media, mean, yeah, people miss it. Yes. Um and not not and this is the thing because I think in today's world, people are bombarded with yep. so many events and information and requests to participate, and and eventually people. In some ways, they have to filter it, even mm-hmm. if they don't know that they're filtering it, yeah, um but i mean i think I think, as long as we keep trying and find creative ways of letting people know about it and be part of it, yeah, um, but that they don't feel that they're you know just a number to to us customer number, so right. you know um i I think eventually it will it will catch,
1: yeah, um, yeah,
0: you know many things that we I remember we were starting it with other orchestras. Um, that, you know, it was so slow to begin with, but then it, it built up and it, the work pays off.
1: And I think we have rebuilding to do because of COVID. I mean, right. there were lots of things that were happening before COVID. And so, I mean, you're really coming in almost with a clean slate.
0: <laughs> but, you know, in a way, I mean, I'm not saying, no matter who you have you would have chosen as mu- next music director, this is a great time to have a new music director. As COVID is, you know, fading and you, you want to, rebuild Mm -hmm. uh, not just rebuild what was before but also reach out to audience that you did not have before right Um, having a new music director is a perfect time to do that
1: yeah yeah and Rockford is so excited to have you here it's a friendly town yeah
0: excitement is all mine
1: yay all right thank you so much
0: my pleasure come listen to the symphony (laughs) (laughs) if you'd like to hear more from Yaniv be sure to register for our sound bites as he interviews Narik Aratunian, our guest clarinetist for the upcoming
1: Shahrazad performance on March 18.
0: Thanks for listening.